0: The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome everyone to our first show of 2024. We hope that your new year is off to a great start and with greater things yet to come for you. Nathan Miller is our producer, And today, we're going to Michigan and the Muskegon Museum of Art, founded on a tradition of aesthetic excellence and committed to fostering the lifelong study and appreciation of the visual arts by strengthening, preserving, and exhibiting its collections. We're going to be talking with the Director of Collections and Exhibitions, also the Senior Curator, Art Martin. That's right, his first name is Art and we look forward to benefiting from his expertise. This is American Road Trip Talk, and we'll be back with the interview right after this.
1: Hi everybody, this is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe.
0: You know his vision of America, but do you know his name? One of the most highly respected artists of America's Great Depression era, John Stuart Curry, Define the country's perceptions of the American Midwest. His painting, Tornado Over Kansas, is still one of the most iconic images in U.S. pop culture today. For the first time in a quarter century, Curry's masterworks will be exhibited under one roof. Visit the Muskegon Museum of Art in Michigan this summer to see John Stuart Curry Weathering the Storm, an exhibition of life, art, and the American Midwest. To learn more, visit muskegonartmuseum.org slash curry.
2: In western Nebraska, Sydney used to be known as the toughest town on the tracks. Today, Sydney is home to family-owned restaurants and vibrant downtown full of unique shops. Plan your trip to Sydney and learn more at visitsidneyne.com.
0: Make this picture perfect in Oregon's Mount Hood Territory. Get into history's interactive side on the Heritage Trail. Meet baby animals on farm loops and visit vineyards on the New Wine Trail. Plan your trip today at MountHoodTerritory.com. Are we there yet? That's not a question you'll be hearing while cruising around Nevada. That's because here in the road trip capital of the USA, that old cliche about it being the journey that matters more is actually legit. In Nevada you can kick back in a crowdless state or national park, gaze up at some of the nation's darkest, most star-studded skies, meander among the world's oldest living trees, have your breath stolen by the crystal-clear waters of Lake Tahoe. All along the way you will find the kinds of iconic wide open highways where road trip dreams are made. For insider tips about Nevada road trips and unexpected Silver State destinations, Order your free Nevada Magazine and Visitor Guide today at TravelNevada.com slash travel-guides. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. We are interviewing Art Martin, Director of Collections and Exhibitions, slash Senior Curator for the Muskegon Museum of Art. In this role... He has organized over 50 exhibitions featuring the work of national, international, and Michigan artists. We're very happy to welcome to American Road Trip Talk for the first time, Art Martin. Art, delighted to have you with us today. Thank you for having me, Gary. Art, why don't we get started with an overview so that people can, who have not had the pleasure, as I have not, I hope to get there someday, who have yet to visit Muskegon Museum of Art, tell us by way of... A little bit of the history and then let's get into what's going on currently and what we can look forward to in 2024.
2: Sure, uh, the Muskegon Museum of Art is located in Muskegon, Michigan right on the coastline of Lake Michigan. Uh, started as a lumber town and then a foundry town and now is reinventing itself as a real leisure and outdoor destination.
0: And, and with so, all of that going on and it's a uh, It's been around a long time, past the century mark now. It's had a chance, as some people would say, it's had more of a chance to become what it is and what it can be.
2: Absolutely, yes. founded in 1912, and we are actually in the middle of a major expansion. We're doubling the size of our building. Wow. Uh, And that just reflects the kind of, you know, just sort of big picture ambition that uh, drives the Muskegon Museum of Art.
0: Tell us a bit about the, the permanent collections. I mean, most anytime someone would go, what are they likely to see?
2: Uh, certainly, so we, we, we like to say we have an internationally recognized permanent collection, and that's true. Uh, our two biggest paintings, we have an early Edward Hopper New York restaurant, and then the painting that the Curry exhibition uh, that I understand we'll be talking about is based around uh tornado over Kansas. Uh, which has appeared in over 30 exhibitions and a uh, hundred publications in its lifetime. Uh, but we also have a new, uh, really renewed focus on women artists. So we'll, we're working with uh, the Bennett Collection, uh, and we'll be premiering that in 2025, which focuses on uh, women who paint real, uh, realism, uh, figurative work, uh, largely. and. Uh, really a, a bigger focus through that gift uh, on the work of women artists so a, a new commitment to uh, always having shows uh, by women and uh, with that focus.
0: I'd love to know more and I'm sure our listeners would too to know more about John Stewart Curry weathering the storm. Yes life in the Midwest. Uh, this particular painting about a, a tornado over over Kansas it just indicates how weather plays such a dominant role in that part of the country and it can be quite turbulent.
2: Uh yeah, no mid Midwest Midwest boy, uh, Nebraska and Kansas. So I, I grew up with the tornadoes. Um, yeah, you know when when Curry paints that painting in 1929, it is just immediately embraced. Uh, really in the popular media as as much as in the sort of art world as this kind of strange, iconic vision of what the American Midwest looked like, the the drama, the weather, the struggle of the American farmer, uh, and that really catapulted Curry into the mainstream. And so this exhibition, uh, you know, it's the first in over two decades to bring together kind of the, the greatest hits. Uh, And so we are borrowing works from the Whitney Museum uh, Museum of American Art, the Cincinnati Art Museum, Nelson Atkins, uh, the Sheldon Museum of Art at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, Syracuse Museum and the St. Louis Art Museum. And it is bringing again together baptism in Kansas, uh, the Mississippi flood, just some of Curry's best known paintings from a small period of time. And working with a scholar, Patricia Junker, we are re-examining Curry's life, telling his story and how much personal tragedy, the World World War One, really informed a very narrow part of his life uh, that completely transformed who he was as an artist and that he never quite recaptured through the rest of his career. Uh, and so it's, you know, one, one, it's a great chance to look at this truly American artist, uh, but it's also a chance for those familiar with him to really see him in a new light with, with new scholarship around him.
0: I'd you know i like to get to a little bit of inside baseball as the saying goes. How did you negotiate all this? There must be quite a process involved.
2: Uh, yeah, so it, it actually began our, uh, Edward Hopper was requested by the Whitney Museum of American Art for their recent uh, Whitney exhibition. Uh, and so we asked if they would be open in exchange to to a loan. Uh, baptism in Kansas, which they of course own, launched Curry's career. Uh, and we thought, well, they've got the most famous one. We have an equally most famous one. This would be a great opportunity. Uh, and so for there, we you know we reached out to these other museums, and they were incredibly generous in being willing to lend. Uh, we reached out to uh, Patricia Junker, who put together the last Curry exhibition at, right at the end of the 1990s. Uh, and she was not only very excited, she had new scholarship herself. Uh, we've added a lot more about the our own history of the work. Uh, there's a lot of outreach for images and rights and reproduction. We'll be dealing with careers and how to get you know how to get the paintings on a truck and in a crate and where they need to be so yeah it's definitely a lot of a lot of work goes into it before the guests get to come in and just see everything beautifully lit and this wonderfully guided tour um how the sort of well the how the sausage is made how the trucks get moving
0: <laughs> and you know Art, it's interesting to me to look at it from that angle because the idea of a museum is a beautiful thing. But then there's the matter of acquisition and that involves negotiation. Something tells me, uh, in the, in the sense that of it being, um, a delicate operation to make these things happen, to bring them all together. You must play a key role.
2: Uh, yes. Um, you know, there's, there's the fun, there's the creative side, there's the scholarly side, and then there is the just sheer logistical side. Uh, and I, I happen to have a knack for that. And so it, yeah, it it really is, you know, how do you juggle five or six different partners, you know, lining up your, your guest scholar, working with the catalog designer, uh, making sure all the deadlines are met and the paperwork is in place. Um, but it's always it, it's always just very rewarding to get to work with our peers on that level too, because of course, everybody has their obligations to their own collection, but it tends to be very collegial and as you know as long as everybody sees like you know you're professional and you're taking this seriously, it, it tends to be a um, a lot of work, but it, it, it's just very rewarding.
0: I'm quite sure that it is we have a lot to discuss here a lot of things available now or coming up in 2024 at uh, the museum it, like for example visions 16 detroit artists this is a michigan museum after all so tell us about that
2: yes so one of the, one of the things our you know that differentiates our museum in some ways is that we have a real focus Muskegon's a historically a blue collar town and so we have a real focus on being accessible to people of every level if you know if you've never been in an art museum before we want there to be something that resonates with you and you can take away and if you've been here forever there's a lot of deep material and a lot of that you know inside baseball to enjoy Uh, and so visions the 16 detroit artists you know detroit is three hours across the state and it has a very vibrant art scene and so we wanted to bring that to west michigan Uh, We worked with Dr. Hubert Massey, who is a very well-known muralist in the Detroit area. He's got murals in Cobo Hall and all throughout the city. And he recently created a mural for downtown Muskegon uh, on our new convention center. And so, uh, you know, we knew he was a fixture in the Detroit art scene. And so we invited him to bring in more artists. And so we have Detroit artists who are really just... The sort of fixtures of the the art community they've been there a very long time they've you know lifelong detroit artists uh and then some more recent ones but in every case you know it's artists that are responding to the city talking about the city talking about community uh through painting and photography collage uh and a host of subject matter uh so it's it's really exciting to be able to bring those artists together um And in some cases, you know, it's often it's it's the first museum recognition for people who have been, you know, defining an arts community that's known around the country.
0: Please tell us about the women artists.
2: Uh, Yes. So with the Bennett collection and with a gift from Stephen Bennett and Dr. Elaine Malati Schmidt, uh, we work with them to run the Bennett Prize, which is a biennial prize for women figurative painters. Uh, it's $50,000 in a solo exhibition, and then that that's actually traveling the country right now. Uh, and so with their gift to our expansion with that Bennett partnership, we have a renewed commitment to collecting and exhibiting the art of women. And so within our own permanent collection, there's that renewed focus. We try to get as, as close as we can to parity with what's on display. Uh, a lot of our work by women is, is more contemporary. Uh, So we have, you know, a wonderful Elizabeth Catlett, we have Maria Tomasula, you know, some of these are, you know, maybe not uh, household names, but within our area, they're very well known. And then with, you know, beginning in 2025, the idea is that at any given time, uh, but certainly annually will be an exhibition dedicated uh, to women uh, and about women. And so in 2025, we have a traveling show on Julia Child. Uh, and then uh, following up with a big internationally recognized artist in, in the fall that we're not quite, I'm not quite supposed to talk about yet, but the, that'll be a big one coming up. Uh, and then ongoing, just again, that, that very renewed focus on women and the Bennett collection immediately bringing 47 works by women uh, into the museum, most of which will be uh, blended and mixed with our newly reinstalled permanent collection.
0: That's a substantial
2: collection. It is, It's. It's. Uh, eventually when the whole thing comes over here, it's. it'll probably be close to 200 works of art by women.
0: Wow, excellent. How about those Tiffany lamps?
2: Tiffany lamps, uh, yes, we extended that due to popular demand through March. Uh, this is 15 of the very early leaded Tiffany lamps. So we tried to keep them between 1900 and 1910. Uh, because that let us focus again on on women. And so within this time period is Clara Driscoll and the Tiffany girls, uh, who have only really recently been uh, discovered thoroughly through some uh, new scholarship that we were able to uh, take advantage of. And it's, you know, it's just classic Tiffany and some very rare examples of some of the most famous patterns. So for those in the know, we have a dragonfly, a daffodil, a gorgeous floor hydrangea lamp. So it stands, you know, close to six feet tall, uh, and uh, one stained glass window. And that that all comes from the Richard Driehaus collection in Chicago. Uh, they've been very great partners working with, and so they, you know, opened the door to their vaults and their treasures, and we we were able to do this Tiffany lamp show that's been uh, really well received.
0: I've seen Tiffany lamps and I've seen some that there are um, modern examples of it, but was there a particular era when Tiffany lamps were especially popular?
2: Uh, yes. And, and really the studio is really only active for about 20 years. Uh, and so I think, you know, early 1900 and 1915 is the real heyday of the, um, of the rarest and most prized lamps Uh, and certainly at the you know tiffany is such a big factor as we roll from the gilded age at the end of the 1800s into art nouveau and art deco Uh, and then at some point the lamps just went out of vogue and uh only the savvy collectors were saving and salvaging them and then and now tiffany lamps are just you know they're back in the market and they're again really highly prized by, you know, designers and, and art collectors. So I think, but yeah, and, that, and again, that was why we focused so tight on the on the early ones, um, because they're not being as as quickly produced and as you know, sort of the um, oh easier to obtain by the common man, we, we have one lamp upstairs that when it retailed in modern dollars, it was $14,000. Um, wow. And I sort of think, you know, if you want two, you want one at the end of each sofa, then you're you're in for a very substantial investment uh, in your Tiffany lamps.
0: How about Oliver Jeffers?
2: Oliver Jeffers, yes. Yeah. So we, part, as part of our community commitment, we do an annual K twelve student exhibition. So that's artwork from the kids, and it, it's always fun to talk to an adult who's like, you know, they're. 40, they're 50, and you ask about them, and they remember being in this show when you jog their memory a little bit. Um, but we always love to do a children's book illustrator, and Oliver Jeffers is, comes to us from the National Center of Children's Illustrated Literature, and uh, as, a, as a parent myself, I got to grow up on some of these books myself, and it's The Day the Crowns Came Home, The Day the Crowns Quit, uh, Stuck, Lost and Found, just these beautifully- illustrated books that also have humor and fun that, you know, really works for all ages. Uh, We kind of curated our children's books and Jeffers was a favorite in my household. So we're really looking forward to that one.
0: I'm sure you are. I have friends who are very much into quilting and Uh, quilts have their place there in your museum as well.
2: Uh, they do. We've actually done a number of textile exhibitions over the years, a couple that uh, traveled around the country, international artists. Uh, we work with Nancy Crow for those in the contemporary quilt world to curate a big exhibition she put together. And uh, it, what we're looking at for summer 2024 is a tie into Curry. One of Curry's big uh, teaching moments, he ends up as an artist in residence at the University of Wisconsin. And he's very much about farmers making art, um, but not sort of learning the, you know, the high end of painting, you know, they're making sand art and quilts and leather art and tooling. And so we many, many years ago work with the uh, Michigan State University, which runs a giant quilt database and they also have a gorgeous quilt collection and so to complement the curry and to bring fibers back in uh, i focused on uh, women and uh, especially african-american women of the curry era so depression era 1920s 1930s quilts to show the art of the home and the things that were being made uh, in the midwest uh, during curry's time and so a lot of these quilts are going to come from michigan uh, and some from some of the surrounding states and so that's uh you know it's going to be a great way to build on that story uh and help to tell women's story of that time uh you know they are home but they're they're making art and they're making art that reflected their interests so some of the quilts are pictorial i think there's even a Detroit Tigers quilt uh that i think okay. uh, a lot of our guests are really going to enjoy so it's um you know it's, it's an, it, again it's a, it's going to be a very exciting summer um in addition to the shows, you know, on, on either end, bookending that.
0: And here's something, this just sounds huge. The 95th Michigan Contemporary Art Exhibition. That's got uh, the wow factor.
2: It does. Uh, so that's our fall. Our annual fall exhibition is an annual juried exhibition that began, well, we're in the 95th year. So I think it began in the 1920s as an invitational Uh, and since then has grown to a statewide juried exhibition. And so we bring in art from all around Michigan. It usually ends up being about 200 works of art that reflect what Michigan artists are looking at, uh, what they're experimenting with, what they're thinking. Uh, And so when people are here in West Michigan for all of the fall colors, uh, it's a wonderful chance to also stop in and see you know, in one place uh, what's happening in Michigan with art.
0: Sounds like a lot based on our conversation today, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, time does allow. It would be nice to do a little tease here, Art. You have an opening of the new wing in 2025. Already we're looking ahead to 2025 with we the Bennett are. Collection. And you said something about Julia Child.
2: Tell yes. us more. Uh So very quickly, the Bennett Collection, just to, to drop a few names, uh, it includes an Artemisia Genolesky painting, Peggy Bacon, uh, Gertrude Abercrombie. There's a gorgeous Elaine de Kooning. I can't quite convince the owners to leave early for me, uh, and a Mary, an early Mary Cassatt, uh, and that features alongside a lot of contemporary women painters. Uh, but then, yes, there's the uh, Julia Child show currently traveling the country. Uh, I I just, in fact, I just saw it at the Durham Museum in Omaha, Nebraska, over my Christmas vacation. Um, but that's going to be coming to our museum and we'll be putting our own unique uh, team spin on that show. And it, it looks at the life of Julia Child through some interactive displays and, and her story. And it was a great way for us to launch, uh, you know, our conversation about women and women artists with such a seminal American figure as Julia Child.
0: So much to see at the Muskegon Museum of Art. But you know, Art, I wanted to also mention that there's plenty to see in and around Muskegon. Isn't the town known, among other things, for Victorian homes?
2: It is. Uh, the Lakeshore Museum Center here downtown uh, runs two uh, Victorian homes. One actually, Charles Hackley, who was the original benefactor of our museum. Uh, gorgeous. I mean, Hackley was a lumber baron. He spent he spared no expense on wood carving. And so just within the opening rooms of the home are just these incredible wood panels. Uh, and so that's a great downtown look. Uh, we're right on the shore of Muskegon Lake, and Lake Michigan is 10 minutes from the downtown. Our beaches are sugar sand, uh, and it's all up and down. There's hiking and biking and fishing, and uh, a couple a couple of brewers have really defined the Muskegon downtown. And so we've got a lot of great restaurants now, just within shot of the museum. But it is it is definitely an outdoor paradise. Uh, In July, we have two big motorcycle events right around the fourth uh, that are, uh, you know, draw a lot of guests in and a couple big festivals uh, in the summer and fall. So it's, uh, you know, the museum, of course, is why we tell people to visit, but there's no shortage of other opportunities to take, uh, especially for people that, you know, like being outdoors and seeing that. And, uh, you know, you can have all the all the great beaches and some waves and uh, no sharks. So, uh, <laughs> it's a great way to great way to enjoy the beaches.
0: Art Martin, you make a great ambassador, sir. Well, thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah, no sharks. There we go. Uh,
0: Art Martin, director of collections and exhibitions and senior curator for the Muskegon Museum of Art. Thank you, sir, for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Gary.
0: And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. Along with Thomas and Becky representative co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road.